1: and I preached to, uh, to maybe 1,000 or 1,200 pastors. And as I was ministering to these pastors, I gave them some truths. And as I gave them these truths, you know, I moved on and preached a service. People were saved. Lives were changed. And we moved on to another service. I mean, I forget how many times I preached that day. And I didn't think that much more about that until about a year later. And I knew I'd given a word from God, but I didn't think that much more about it. And they came back to me and they said, Pastor, we want to tell you what we found. They said, we went into a part of India, this populous nation, where there's not one church in the whole region. Not one. And we found a church planner. And we said, how are you making it out here on your own? He said, well, I came to your conference. And listen to the way he said it. He said, when the story preacher from America came and he shared the message and he quoted the message. And they said, how do you remember that? He said, that's what I've had to hold on to. i preached my whole life, it feels like. I taught my first Sunday school class at six. I have traveled the world since I was just a young teenager. And occasionally, God gives you a word that is something different. This is not a throw a gas on the fire message, but it's different. And if you'll take a moment and get what I'm about to teach you today, God will change your life. Bow your heads with me today. Father, my inadequacies are screaming at me right now. But your adequacy, your strength, your faithfulness, Lord, you're not only adequate, you're more than adequate. I ask you to speak to our hearts today, change our lives, and help us, oh God, to become what you want us to be. And Lord, let someone here catch something simple that goes so far. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to take you for a special message called Do This and Live. It's over in the book of Luke, Luke chapter number 10. While you're finding that, go ahead and find it on your phones. You can go to YouVersion uh, and get the notes right there. While you're looking for that, you just hit the live section, find the church at Warhill, and they'll bring up all of our notes right there on your Bible app. But uh, those of you who have your Bibles, go ahead and and get those ready. And as we're preparing uh, for the Word, because the Word is what washes us, amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, the Word washes us. Uh, I want to talk to you for just a moment about inadequacies. I know that none of you ever deal with feeling like you don't measure up. Now, I've had my fair share of inadequacies. I've dealt with a few things. And but the, probably the greatest area of fear in my life, actually my dad, and, and I always say it's hard to be the son of a great man, my dad had two jobs. He was a pastor of a church and he was a, a construction a, a, a builder. He built. And so uh, when my dad would uh, uh, take my brother and I out to the job well I want you to know most of the time he wouldn't even take me and there was a reason for that but he would take us out to the job when he was building one day I'm telling you one day we're out there building and he made this very clear to me I'm trying my best to do whatever he's saying to do and he's having to fix everything I'm trying to do he's having to correct everything I'm up to and he's like son your brother's going to be fine in this industry, but you better preach. <laughs> you don't get it. And I realized that that's not my strong suit. When your dad can build anything and you can't build hardly anything, it, it, it creates an, an issue there. And as, you think I'm kidding, but I, one time I, uh, I built a, uh, a doghouse. I was so proud of myself. I did not ask my dad for help. I built this doghouse. It was beautiful to me. And it was beautiful to the dog. I was so excited. I was like, look. And the dog starts walking toward the doghouse. I'm telling you, if the end of this thing was the the door to the doghouse, and it got right about here, and the doghouse went, and fell over. (laughs) Why do I even try? So with that said, I want to tell you about a situation in my life. I I several years ago we had uh, an issue that developed in our house and and we ended up with some water coming in and we changed the roof and we changed the roof again and we changed the roof again and we actually changed I don't know how many times we changed the roof in that part of the house and we never could get the water to stop coming in found out it wasn't a water issue it was another it wasn't a roof issue it was another issue and but the problem was even when we found out what the issue was it had left permanent stain on that ceiling. And so I've been like sitting down to dinner, looking up, losing my appetite because these stains have been on the ceiling of my house. And I won't like let anybody hardly come over because I'm like, I'm just, you know, I'm embarrassed by the stains. Well, I've talked to some friends, got their advice on it, and, and one of them, I think he's here in the service, even said, Well, Pastor, go get this kind of a, a, a paint and, and you just do this. And, 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 and I want you to know my inadequacy scream because every time I try something like that, it usually makes it worse. So I went and bought the paint. I put the paint that I bought on the desk, which is in the room it sat there for over a year. Over a year, finally it disappears. And then the other day our little boy has a birthday and we had a couple of young uh, uh, kids coming over and so their parents were coming with them and I thought, I've gotta do something. I said, worse is even better than this. Maybe I can at least explain, at least I tried. So I grabbed the, 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 the can of paint after I found out where it had been relocated in the year, year and a half that I had owned it, and I shake it up really, really good, and I go in there, and I, I square off with his stains. I'm looking at them. I mean, I'm staring them down. You ever been there? You gotta, we're gonna get this project done. We're going to fix this island. We're going to deal with this. We're going to gonna get this landscape done. We're going to get that door working right. Whatever that is. And I stare off with it. And I pull out this can of paint. And as I pull out this can of paint, I do this. Got to have the sound effect there, okay? And I felt so dumb. Because in three... stain was gone. It was completely gone. I had so much fun watching it disappear. I was running all over the house. <laughs> it looks so much better. But I realized something. It would have looked better a year and a half ago. If I had not allowed my fear of trying to prevent me from trying. And when you allow your fear of even starting to prevent you from starting, you have a problem. It can be as simple as a shh and the problem is gone. Now, with that in mind, I want to talk to you about what Jesus teaches us in Luke chapter 10 and what our inadequacies say to us and why we shouldn't start. Now, every year, it is my intention, as long as I'm the pastor of this church, if God allows, to preach on this topic every single year. People say, well, I preach on giving at this point. I don't do that. People say, I, I, I preach on this at this point. I don't do I, This is the passage that I want to preach on every year. This is it. Normally I preach from Matthew, but today we're going to go to Luke on the same topic we cover every single year. Here we go. A man comes walking up to Jesus, dealing with his inadequacies. Watch this. I'll show you. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus. Now, Can I tell you what that means, why I'm saying he's dealing with his inadequacies? When you are questioning yourself, you will also question God. When you don't have confidence in your stand, you will lose confidence in his word. Are you following me? And so this man's trying to figure out why he can't measure up to others and why these things, and he looks at Jesus and he's trying to test, question God. All right, we'll see. So he's trying to, he asks Jesus, he says to him, teacher, what should I do? How do I get from where I am to eternal life, to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do? And Jesus responds to him and says to him, well, what does the law of Moses say? And how do you read it? All right? Jesus says, what do you get? What do you know? Let's not argue about it. What does the word say? Can I tell you? When you stop arguing with yourself and start living out the word, you'll find that your inadequacies will be equipped to be overcome by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. It's simple as a shh right there in the moment. This truth. Stay with me. And the man replies to him and answers him. So, well, this is simple. He says, it's the Shema here. He, he, he says, the, the greatest commandment of all is you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. Help me here. With all your what? Heart. heart with all your soul. With all your strength. And with all your mind. And then, then you have to love your neighbor as yourself now stop right there for just a moment in matthew this is where we normally take the turn here when i'm teaching on this passage in matthew when he teaches this and he says you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind with all your strength and you shall love your neighbors yourself jesus says you've chosen correct you're correct and he says all of the commandments hinge there's a building phrase okay scares me a little bit everything hinges on this everything hinges if you can love God, you're not going to cheat your neighbor. If you are in love with God with all your heart, then you're not going to have time to commit adultery. See what I'm saying? So it's all on it's this. That's normally the only way we take this. But Luke takes it a different way. And, I, and I've never seen this this way before. And it really shook me this last week. And it's impacted my life greatly this week. And I'm telling you, this is a message that I would love for it to be a mark of my ministry. That's how passionate I am about what I'm about to say to you. This is what Jesus responds to him. Jesus said, you're right. You got it. That's what you have to do. He says, as a matter of fact, if you can do that, you'll have eternal life. If you can go the distance of what you just said, then you will be there. You're going to make it. Now, let me let me kind of say it to you this way. Jesus says, look, I see where you are, point A. And I see a path that's in front of you that comes all the way over here to the end of this, point be. And he says, look, I've got to get you somewhere. And if you can get there on your own, really, I mean, I don't want to offend the religious people in here, but he really is what he says. He says, if you can do this on your own, then you don't even need me. Do it. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, strength and mind. And then love your neighbors yourself. He lays out the measurement that says, if you want to live forever. This is what you have to accomplish. Now, now look, here's, here's the measurement. The first one was love God. Help me again. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind. Now, so that's four parts to that. And being four parts to that, what I'm going to say is then, let's use a longer length here. I've got some measurement uh, tools here. A longer length. And so the other one is simple. It's as your self love your neighbor as self. So I've got one part that has four, one that has one. So I'm going to break it up like this. So let's just say this one has four components. I got to love God with all my heart. Help me now with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, and with all my mine i gotta love him with all my heart soul strength and mind and and so that this works better for that because i can make my illustration with or just stay with me for just a moment all right and then jesus said and if you can love your neighbor as yourself you're good you don't need religion you don't need all of this matter of fact you really don't even need me if you can go the distance so let's see if we can go the distance Let's see how far we can go, because he said, this is all I have to do, and I'll live. I'll live forever. Here we go. You ready? So i got to love him with all my heart, with all my soul. We'll deal with it in two separate measures, since it's two separate commands. So the first measure is heart, soul, strength, and mind, right? So if I'm I'm loving him like that, interesting. Uh, There's a problem here. I don't know if you see the problem. But here, here's the problem. This is how most of you are trying to love God. You give God a part of your life. You've got God here. You've got job here. You've got family here and something else down here. The problem is it really ought to be God, family, job, whatever else. But eh, there's still a problem here. Because the reason there's a problem here is when I love God on the same plane as the way I love my family, then I'm not really loving God according to his word. I can't love God the same way I love my wife. I can't love God on the same plane. So I can't put God in this horizontal plane and and say, okay, God, you're one component checked off, you're done. I can't do that. And so I have to make a change. I want to get this out of the way for a moment because I want to make this point as clear as possible. I have to make a change. And to make a change, I realize that I can't love God on an equal level with everything else in my life. I mean, I love my children to the point that I would die for them. But I have to love God at a greater level than that. oh I'm already seeing a problem in this because if I have to love God greater and on a different level than I love my children, I'm I'm struggling. Let me just show you how simple that could be. If I can put up with sin in my children's life just because I love them and won't call them out on it, then I'm loving God on the same level I'm loving my kids. But I can't love God on a horizontal plane. God has to be what? First, the highest, The top of our lives. So the only way, Pastor Kevin, if you would help me with this, the only way that I can love God the way that I need to love God is my love for God has to be in a vertical type love. It has to be a love that puts God always above everything else. That everything that I do to love God moves me to a higher level. That if I'm falling in love with God, it's not just, okay, now I have balance between God and my job. Come on. It's that I love God more than my job. More than my possessions. More than my family. Start to say more than your in-laws, but some of you have been back down here. But anyways, come on. But more. 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 More than your children. More than your spouse. God said I'm first or or you don't even love me at all. The only way to love God is vertically. Do you get that? And he gave a measure to show you how if you're going the distance. Four components that show you how well you're doing loving God. Now I'm not here to condemn anybody. Stay with me. But to show you how well you're doing. And he said if you can do these you're going to be part of the way there. So i got to love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, and with all my mind. And if I have all these good, then this sermon's not for you. But maybe we ought to break it down real fast. With all my heart means that I'm loving God with everything in me and that nothing else do I desire above Him. There's nothing else that I desire above God. I don't lay around contriving my life to put myself in a position to get anything above God. It means I have a craving for God that nothing else will satisfy. I didn't say this in any other services, but, but I'll just tell you. When, when Christina was experiencing our first child, it was, the, it was not the, the same world we live in today where you can have everything from all over the world. She had a craving in January for watermelon. Watermelon. In January, I said, how do you find watermelon in January? I don't know how, but in the whole metroplex of Atlanta, one slice of watermelon was found over in Decula. Come on now. And I said, hold it. I'm driving. Because there was nothing else that would satisfy. I was praying the whole way there, Lord, let it be right. Let it be good. Let it be what she's longing for. Why? Because she had a desire that we went to all levels to satisfy. When you're trying to love God horizontally, you're not really going to any level to try to satisfy that passion. But when you get God in the right place in your life, you realize that He becomes your heart's cry. You want Him more than you want sleep. you want Him more than you want air. You want him more than you want to be with your family. you want him more than the things that have led you in your life. and you're loving God with all your heart. So God becomes your passionate a desire. And, and I wonder how we're measuring up there. Okay, we're doing good. Oh, some of you still stuck on one of that new truck. Oh, oh, back up, back up, back up. Maybe that's me, Lord. (laughs) But anyways, with all my soul. So what does it mean to love him with all my soul? Well, if I love him with all my soul, it means, watch this now, I find contentment fully in God. And let me just just break this down a little faster for this service. If I'm not really content in God, it'll manifest... With not being content in the environment I'm in. If I'm not content in God, I'll be constantly thinking the grass is greener on the other side. But the difference is the grass may be greener on the other side, but with God, wherever I am shall flourish and shall begin to bloom because I find my faith in God. Am I making sense to you today? Good, because we've got another measure we've got to go. With all my strength with all my strength means watch this that I'm loving him with all my strength it's to love God with every ounce of resource that I have that means I hold nothing back everything's God's God what you want me to give you what my savings could you talk to my wife please Lord but it means everything that I am becomes his. I'm not asking for your savings when I'm saying that. What I'm saying to you, is it means that, that your savings are not your idol, that God is what you are after and your contentment is to, that everything you've been blessed with is an opportunity to be a blessing for the kingdom of heaven. And it means that not only what I have, it means what I do and why I spend my time all becomes driven to seek God. And I fear the problem is this, that most of us, our time gets spent on trying to make more resources that we can hold on to more and get what we want and we're not really after God uh oh I'm talking to somebody huh maybe I need to hurry with all my mind this one's powerful to love God with our mind involves taking time to fill our mind with God's word and to agree with it Now, I know none of you fill your minds with anything else. We're just getting started good. See, the problem is this. Your mind can't find peace because you're filling with so much garbage and it's robbing your soul of the contentment measure. And you're angry because of what you're putting into your minds Am I making sense to anybody today? Because if you'd really act like it would, I'll move on to the next point. But come on, can I get an amen? All right, listen to me. And so I'm realizing that that I'm not measuring up to all of these. Maybe you've got it. But what I've found is every time I think I've got one of these, I mean, like strength, my goodness, you do the nursery. Isn't that loving God with all your strength? Well, really what that... Could be is a great start. But here's the way to love God with all your strength: rejoice in the honeydew list. Because I hadn't figured that one out yet. All right, well, I, the problem is I'm, they're all built on each other. And every time I fail down here with my heart, even though I may be working hard with my strength, it falls down. There's nothing down there to hold it. I have a problem maybe we ought to go to the shorter distance first okay love your neighbor as yourself now I would love to tell you that I've been the greatest neighbor on the planet honestly no I haven't listen to me carefully the problem is not that we don't love our neighbors is that we're trying to love our neighbors? We were trying to love God horizontally, but we, we're trying to love our, our neighbors vertically. What I mean by that is this: It's easy to lo- love somebody you look up to, and it's really easy to love somebody you're reaching down trying to help. But that's not what he said. He said he didn't say love the ones you admire and and love the ones that you you have to help. No, he said love your what neighbor. Your neighbor, that's the person on the same level with you. That's the person in the same house with you. That's the person who comes to the Thanksgiving meal in the same family as you. Oh, let me just take a little step further. It's the person three offices over on the right. Two cubicles down in the other side of the practice. These people that you're having to walk horizontal levels with, that you're walking in life together with, I'd love to tell you that a church staff has no problems with that, but we deal with it too. We have to learn, hey, where are we in our relationships? And this is the probably one of the, the, the shortest distances we have to go, but it's one of the greatest troubles that we have. Can I be honest with you? I mean, this can be a challenge. This is not the people that you want to go down and, and help feed under the under the... Bridges in Atlanta. What you need to be doing, and it's not the people that you want to go learn to live in the houses they live in. No, it's the people that live right next door to you. And and look, I, I've got great neighbors there. Some of them are in the building here right now. But the other day, my, this is the conversation that happens in my house. All right, uh, my kids say to me, "Hey, Dad, who's in the yard?" I was like, "Who's in the yard?" They said, "Yeah, oh, it's people from the neighborhood." Look like, great. What are they doing? Looks like they're having a party, kind of. In our yard. I'm like, really? Having a meeting and party in our yard? My kids are like, what are you going to do about it, Dad? Can I tell you, the old me would have walked out and said this. Hey, break it up, COVID. (laughs) But not the new me i'm sitting there and they're like what are you gonna do about it and i'm like yeah they're in the best part of the yard right next to the fire pit i don't have time for oh, oh you need a match Oh, <laughs> and i'm sitting there watching them have a great time in the best part of my yard and do you know what i had to think for a moment thank god i'm not who i was when we started this journey I was going, amen, because the only problem I had at that moment was they're in my yard at my fire pit, enjoying my shade, and they didn't invite me. <laughs> it would have been nice to at least got an invitation to my own yard. But you see the difference there, what I'm trying to tell you. It's your neighbors, it's the people that live on either side of you that's dog keeps coming over and hurting yours. Or that's determined to ruin your yard. Or their kid gets a a motorcycle and there's a path through your yard. It's that group of people that you have to say, I've got to love them as myself. And the only way I can, here's the best example of this I can give you. And you're you're just going to have to give me a moment with this. Listen. I'm imagining my grandmother's chocolate cake. Can I tell you? There's a word for my grandmother's chocolate cake. It's called manna. The gift of God. My grandmother would make this cake. It was so moist. She'd stick all those toothpicks in. You know what I'm talking about? To hold it together. And uh, this is the way she frosted it. I don't know what kind of syrupy concoction it was. But she would take chocolate and pour it over the top of it. And it would run down the sides of that cake. And it would create a moat of heavenly delight around that cake. Can I get an amen from anybody? Here's the problem with that. There was a system. When you cut a piece of cake out, the moat would let so much icing go into the missing space. And then you would take that and put it on top. See, see God gave me the perfect wife because she likes cake and I like icing. And so she's like, can I have your cake? And I said, if I can have the icing. But the problem was, some people, no matter how many times we tried to instruct my uncle's, all seven of them, come on now, would take a spoon and go beyond that piece into the moat. And they would scrape it off of a piece side. When you finally were finished, there was about that much left and you cut it in half. One half was perfectly covered in that heavenly delight and the other half was the leftover piece. With no icing. You go, Pastor Don, where did this come from? I'm trying to tell you I'm hungry. (laughs) Now listen to me. This is where it comes from. Mark wants to try that cake with me. So I take that cake and I'm looking down at that cake and I'm looking at the piece that is perfection and I'm looking at the piece that makes me want to throw it in my uncle's face. And I say, here you go, Mark. Here's the best piece. This is what I like. This is the way I want to be treated. So here you go. You see what I'm trying to say? It says the people you do life with, you stop treating your spouse like dirt and you start treating them right. You stop treating your neighbors like your enemies and you find a way to say, hey, invite me to the party. Or your life's going to be full of stains. So here's the problem I wish I had conquered. I wish that I treated everyone in my life the way that I treated that party the other day. But I don't. This is probably a lot harder for me than some of this. So I don't measure up here either. But Jesus said, "If I want to have eternal life, I have to go from point A to point B just to get there." But here's the problem. Now, I think it's probably best if we realize what the total distance is. So, Pastor, Pastor Kevin, would you help me put it together and let us just see how far it really is from point A to point B? Okay. Well, he can't even get it up that high there to get that that raised to that level. Oh, oh, there's a problem here. How do you have to love your neighbor? Oh, could you do that for me? Oh. See, Jesus said, unless you can take up your cross and follow me, you'll never inherit the kingdom of God. And it's the cross of Christ that says, hey, when you feel like slapping somebody, Remember what Jesus would do. When you are struggling with your heart's contentment, take up your cross and be faithful where you're planted because he who is faithful over small things shall be given much. It's the cross of Christ. And Jesus said, hey, 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 if you can go this whole distance, then you're good. But here's the problem with that. You got to go this distance doing those things. You've got to go this, a lot of people say, well, just crucify me then, I'll, I'm good. No, 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 no. You've got to go the distance loving everybody the way you should. You've got to go the distance loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, and, and everything that's within you there. Come on, listen to me. You've got to go that distance. And we fall short. So Jesus said, hey, if you can make it from point A to point B, then you've got it. But since you can't, I will. I'll go the difference that you can't make. I'll go the distance that you can't go. I'll fill in the gap you can't fill. You see, Jesus is the difference. Now, Pastor Don, how can this be so simple? Shh. It's right here in front of us. We already have the teaching. It would change the stains of your life if you would just try to apply it. Listen to me. Here's the problem. How do you measure up? Some of you are saying, well, I don't measure up. Good, you're honest. You're probably further along than you think if you think you don't measure up, but if you think you're measuring up, then you're probably not as far as you think you are. Let me just put it in the words of the Apostle Paul. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Who I've learned I'm a lot more like. I always thought I want to be a Timothy or I, 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 you know, I, I want to be a Joshua. And somebody rebuked me pretty harshly the other day and I went, oh my gosh, I'm a Paul. The Apostle Paul took one look at his faith early on and he said, I am the apostle of apostles. The apostle to Apostles. Later in life, he said, after he'd walked a little further, he said, I am the chief of all sinners. Because the problem is, every time I try, then I fall back, it slides down. And I'm never going to make it on my own. See, if, if it was possible to make it on your own, heaven to be a lot smaller. But Jesus said, I don't like it to be smaller. I want it to be full. As a matter of fact, not only do I want heaven full, I want your life full. And I want you well and blessed. And he said, when your inadequacies tell you you're never going to measure up to the standard I've set for you, it's okay. Shh, my blood covers A multitude of sins. The stains disappear. Can I tell you what's going to happen? I didn't say this in any other service, but I want you to get, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. What did I say I did when I realized the one area would fix? I ran around the rest of the house going, it works. I want you running around your life going, I want to agree with God's word. I want to be content in Christ. I want to love God as the greatest desire of my heart. I'm not dreaming about what the lottery would change my life like because I'm content where I am in Christ. I want you running around believing in faith. Saying, look what following him does. It removes all the sin and all the stains. and, 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 And where I can't go, it's okay because Jesus went where I couldn't go. Your job's not to run the whole distance because you can't. Your job is to start the journey and let Jesus make up the difference. Simple. I said simply but profound. You'll never go this whole distance on your own. But every head bowed and every eye closed. Those of you watching, I'm talking to you. Don't, don't disconnect at this point. You need, to, you need to hear what I'm about to say. This is it. This is the moment. The moment of honesty. How many of you would say, with me in this place? With me in this place. Those watching, I want you to do it right where you are. How many would raise your hand and say, I don't measure up. I don't go the distance. This should be every hand in this building, every hand watching, because none of us measure up and none of us go the distance. But let me ask you another question with your hands down. I'm going to ask you all to respond. Does this statement qualify? Jesus not only went the distance, He is the difference, and he is the only hope that we have. How many would agree with that statement today? Amen. He's faithful. Father, you see right where we are. You see right who we are. You see our weaknesses and our strengths. And I ask you today, Father, to change who we are from the inside out. To renew our hearts and renew our souls and change our lives. That we would love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might and all of our strength. And we would do what is right to our neighbors as ourselves. Father, I thank you for your favor. I thank you for your goodness. And I thank you that now, in the name above all names. You are speaking to us. With every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment, this service will be a thing of the past in about two and a half minutes. But if you're here today and you would say with me, Pastor, I've never started running the journey because I my inadequacies have held me back my whole life. I haven't even tried to go from A to B. I've not even started walking, but today I'm willing to start walking with Jesus by declaring that he is Lord of my life. And I believe that God raised him from the dead. But today I'm ready to start this journey. This journey of faith that leads to life. Nobody's looking around and maybe you're responding there online. However, how you're responding. With that said, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want to start that journey. I want the blood of Jesus to wash away the stains. Can I see your hand if that's you? You're going to start that journey today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Hands going up around this place. I know there's many online as well. Thank you. God's responding today. Now we're going to pray this prayer for them. As we pray this prayer over them, we'll do it different today. When we're finished, I want us all to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, as I pray for those watching, as I pray for those present, the many that have responded today to give their life to Christ, I ask you today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that as they begin this journey where they can't go on their own, you are going to go ahead of them and before them, and you're going to help them become more than they ever thought they could be. Lord, they're going to become the blood-bought children of the living God. Lord, we confess collectively in our hearts, Lord, that you have raised Christ from the dead. He that was dead is now alive forevermore. And now with these that begin this journey of faith today, we declare, come on, help me now. Jesus is Lord. Amen and amen in Jesus' name.